but always asking myself of why do I care what they think? If I know that this is good for my cat, if she is enjoying it, if I'm enjoying this and I can help her be happy, then what someone else thinks, that's on them. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts. Learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins, and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Welcome to the Cat Explorer Podcast. I'm Asara. And I'm Daniel. We're so excited to jump into today's episode, but before we do, we would love to thank our amazing Cat Explorer producers who are making this episode possible. A huge thank you to our Season 7 co-producers, Roxy the Kitty, Ziggy and Charlie, Luna Misty Blue, Adami, Mac, Patch and Ava, and Bowie the Siberian. If you love what Cat Explorer does and you'd love to support us, we would love it if you could join the Cat Explorer Purse Squad. There's information on how to do that in the episode description of your podcasting app. Today's wonderful Cat Explorer podcast review is from the lovely Archer the Catcher. I always love listening to the Cat Explorer podcast to learn more about other cats' outdoor adventures. The podcast has provided so much insight on how to prepare Archer for outdoor experiences. Cats are not the same as dogs which means they definitely require a different type of preparation to adapt to the outer environment. I'm truly inspired by the stories told on the podcast and hope that Archer could ultimately have the same dynamic and exciting outdoor adventures. We definitely think he can. Thank you so much for that lovely review, Archer the Catcher. We would love it if you could leave a review for the Cat Explorer podcast wherever you listen. There's information on how to do just that in the episode description of your podcasting app. It's been several months since George Floyd was killed while being arrested. Since then, so many of us have been doing whatever we can to learn more about the experiences of Black, Indigenous and people of colour. We will probably never completely understand, but the least we can do is try and learn, shift our behaviours, understand and do better. And while educating myself, I realised that Cat Explorer could do better. We've been working hard to share more stories and experiences from members of our community who are Black, Indigenous, and people of colour. Till today's episode, we haven't covered what it's like to be in either of these categories and how it impacts cat exploring, partly because we didn't want to force anyone to share about that unless they were ready. Today we're chatting to Joanne, mum to Ava the cat and Patches the dog. Joanne identifies as a person of colour, and she was keen to share her experiences. Today we chat about cat exploring, having a cat and dog, and what it's like to be a person of colour while cat exploring, how to deal with those comments you hear, and so much more. I'm so grateful for Joanne for being so vulnerable, for sharing experiences that would have been difficult to go through, let alone reliving them. She's insightful and has a wonderful way of flipping those experiences and learning from them. Without further ado, let's jump into our chat with Joanne. So, Welcome to the podcast, Joanne. Hey, thanks so much for having me here. So tell us about Ava. How did she come into your life? So Ava is a very special cat for a couple of different reasons. Um, She came into our lives because I absolutely needed to have a cat. Uh, My husband and I had just gotten married and we'd moved to a new city. And my cat that I'd grown up with was staying with my parents. I'd offered to take her, but my parents were just like, no, no, she's going to enjoy it far more if she can live out the last of her days 
here at home in her own environment. So I said, okay, fine. I can do without a cat for a while. Um, less than two months into being married, and I am scrolling through every single shelter website because I also worked at a veterinary hospital. So I'm seeing cats and dogs every single day, and I, I can't resist. And I'm like, I can't have a cat. Our apartment won't allow us to have a, any animals whatsoever. Um, but I just absolutely need to have a cat. We almost ended up adopting a dog just beforehand, but we're like, same thing, can't have a dog. Um, not to mention my husband's also allergic to cats. So I kind of had all the cards stacked against me, and we had a compromise, which was, if you can find a cat that is hypoallergenic, I'll consider maybe looking at getting a cat. And I was like, okay, fine, you know. We have to compromise on a few things. I'm like, all right, if I can find the cat, then we'll try it out. Um, so I was kind of obsessing over, I just want a cat so badly. We're looking at shelter websites. And a couple of hypologic breeds were Siberians, um, Russian Blues, and Bengals and Siamese cats. And I was like, great, awesome. If I can look at rescues in the area, maybe I can find that. Um, no luck with any of those. And going to a breather was kind of last-ditch effort. We were also newly married. We're kind of broke. So I'm like, that's not an option for us. So I kept looking. And one night, it was 2 in the morning, and I saw the shelter had a couple of kittens. And they listed them as oriental short-haired mix. And I saw that, and I immediately zoned in, locked in. Threw in my applications because, first of all, the kittens were absolutely irresistible. And second part is an oriental short hair is one of the most hypoallergenic cat breeds in the world. And I was like, well, if you're a mix, it's blooming. Like, every single star must have aligned. And it's 2 in the morning. I'm sending in my applications. And I wake up my husband. I tell him, we're going to the shelter tomorrow. Get off of work. Come pick me up. We're going to see them right now. The next day, we went to go to the shelter, and it was 10 minutes before closing, and they didn't want us in until they heard, yes, we had already completed an application, us being me, and um, they led us into the shelter, and we got to meet the kittens, and there were two of them, and one was Ava, and one was her brother, and we had talked about adopting a black cat because they're the least adopted. And Adam's holding the black kitten. I'm holding Ava. And I just couldn't get over Ava. But I was telling my husband, like, I want the cat, but you get to decide which kitten. Which he looks at me and he says, okay, let's switch cats. So we switch cats. And this little one, the black kitten, was so adorable. And just, I, I wanted to adopt them both, but we could only adopt one. And here he is holding Ava. And she's 12. 12 weeks old, she's spunky, she's sassy, like, she's got, like, this little streak down her nose, and she just looks up at him, locks eyes with him, reaches up, and, like, slaps his nose, and the only thing that I could do was just stand there and be like, okay, which cat do you want, the black one or the tortie? And I'm just like, I will, I will sacrifice my choice in this because I want the cat, you'll pick it. I think he looks at the kitten, he looks at me, and then he just, after being slapped, he's like, this is the one. 
This is our cat. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we weren't allowed to actually pick her up that day, but someone had to go pick her up the next day. And turns out Adam was off work early. He went to go pick her up and he made the biggest faux pas you could ever make with cats. Um, he shows up at the shelter and says, hey, so I'm here to pick up Ava. You know, let me pay the adoption fee. He gets all the paperwork sorted. And he says, yeah, I'm here to pick up the Calico kitten. I think from what he tells me, the entire place shut down. Like every single person in that building stopped, looked at him, almost all at once said, she's a Torty. <laughs> and I still remember he came home slightly traumatized. He's like, I think I almost got crucified. <laughs> and that's his introduction as a dog person to the cat world <laughs> oh i just love that that's hilarious um you mentioned briefly that um you're you weren't allowed to have pets in your apartment and we live in sydney australia and that's like this ongoing challenge for rental properties particularly in that people can't have pets in there and um and also, like, lately for people who even own apartments because their um, body corporate won't let them have pets in there and stuff like that, even though technically the law has changed here where you're supposed to be able to. How did you navigate that? So we kind of – when I was in college, I was a little bit of a rebel. Um, our college dorm did not allow pets except for fishes. Um, but I kept a hedgehog – a hamster, three flying squirrels, two red squirrels underneath my bed at different points in time. We also ended up fostering a cat in our dorm room. I blame my roommate for that one. But so when I actually came to the apartment, I was trying not to be as rebellious. But because we knew that we we're going to be moving out soon, um, you know, Adam and I talked it over and we're like, all right, so I really want to have a cat and we're going to be moving out in less than a month. So we didn't necessarily tell them, um, but we went ahead and said, all right, well, we'll get the kitten. Our, our next apartment, we'll definitely declare her, pay the pet fees, and that's what we did. Um, but Ava was with us for a couple of weeks when she wasn't supposed to be. Um, we don't recommend it uh, because you can definitely get fined for a lot of different things, and thankfully she was very well behaved. But... Uh, I had to outgrow my rebelliousness at that point. Yeah, I think um, this, I I will admit my family has done that in the past as well with our family cat as well. Um, knowing what I know about cat allergies, I suppose it's a bit different with Ava because she's hypoallergenic. I probably wouldn't do it again just because, mm-hmm. especially with Lumos, everyone is so allergic to him. <laughs> like, I think um, it would have to be a deep clean. Like we've thought about moving to a rental property and we're just like, it's just a bit too hard with two cats. But um, yeah, if you can find those unicorn rental properties that allow pets, you're really lucky. <laughs> yeah, and especially here, I think I'm I'm really glad that a lot of properties are more pet friendly. Um, but the downside is it just means higher pet fees. And some rental properties still have this kind of barbaric requirement of, oh, your cat must be declawed. And some places still have that on their lease and we came across a couple of those when we were apartment hunting and we said, we can't do that. You know, we'd rather pay a higher pet, pet fee and pet rent because that's, that's not, that's not something that Ava needs. We can trim her nails, but 
that's not necessary. I want to go back to Adam for a minute. So for context, Adam's your husband. And so you mentioned that he was allergic and from the sounds of things also never had a cat before. So <laughs> relate to a lot of those things. Now, with Ava supposedly being hypoallergenic, how did that work out? Um, has he struggled at all? Has it, you know, has it been no issue at all? And how did he find having a cat for the very first time? Uh, so that was definitely, like I said, Ava's is incredibly special for many reasons, including we took a shot in the dark and a shelter's description of her and ran with it. Um, Technically, I guess she's not necessarily his first cat. Um, his family had a cat when they're growing up, but he was so small that he doesn't really remember anything about that cat. Um, they never had one that, after that, and so he's grown up with dogs. So him having a cat, I think, was it was a learning curve in a way because he also learned that for them, they're definitely more laid back, and she was actually his gaming kitty, so... When he came home, I came home a couple of hours later to find her curled up above him while he's gaming. And she actually claimed him first. And I think that that was a new part for him, which is cats can claim people. And that I think he liked because I actually was jealous for a couple of months because she picked him over me. And I was like, I wanted the cat, but she picked you. Um, that's not fair. And that's kind of rude. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as his allergies go, um, like I said, we kind of took the description, ran with it, and crossed our fingers. But one of the things that we did, because we live in such a small apartment, was um, we helped to control his allergies by she got a bath at least once a week. And she got combed out a lot. Um, our sheets were changed quite often. We vacuumed quite a lot. And so the first couple of months, first year or two, we were very regular about that. And... We were wondering, we always kept allergy meds on hand in case like, he ever had allergies. But he never actually showed her and hold her, snuggle her, you know, you know, she'd walk right up to him, you know, fluff in his face. But that was just one of the things that we kept things in case of. But because he never actually showed any reaction to her, um, he did to my old family cat, but not to her. So we kept seeing if that would continue. And she didn't have any allergies that my sister had or any of our friends had. So we kept starting to cross our fingers. And we didn't actually find out what her breed was more until we did a base pause test later on. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's worked out and that as a dog person, Ava chose a, a dog person. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of dogs, you also Ava's got a dog brother named Patch. <laughs> How did he come into your life? That was... Okay, once again, he's also... Ava's is extremely special because she's got that dork waffle. And we call him a dork waffle for a reason. Because he's a dork. And he's a waffle. But anyways, so he came to our lives because... My husband was at work. We just moved into a new apartment. And we were considering at the end of the year adopting potentially a greyhound and we we're looking at adopting a dog and we're like, if we get greyhound, Ava can match sweaters with them, <laughs> you know, kind of fits our life. We did not expect to get patches uh, 
him at all or at that time. Um, but Adam was at work and his coworkers kept telling him, you got to look at the bulletin board. There's, there's a dog on there and you should take a look at it. It's so cute. Um, so he looks at it and he sends me a photo and it's uh, this absolutely adorable uh, dog. And Patches is an Australian cattle dog. Um, so he's a, also known as Blue Healer, Queensland Healer. Um, and this person was rehoming him because he was chasing her horses. She had other dogs, other cattle dogs, but he, he specifically would not stop chasing her horses, which is already dangerous because she kept her horses shooed and he's gotten kicked in the face multiple times. And so on one hand, he's gotten injured multiple times. And on the other hand, we're still surprised that he didn't accidentally get killed. Grant, he was also very stubborn and hard-headed, so I think that worked in his favor. Um, but Adam looked at the board, looked at this dog, and said, oh, what do you think? Should we actually get a dog now? And he was a four-year-old adult, and we said, okay, well, well, we'll at least go look at him. And we took Ava with us, and we went to go meet them, and this dog was in Adam's lap in an instant and fell in love with Adam, extremely interested in Ava, who stayed in her backpack the entire time and just said, forget this, I'm out of here. Um, but we looked at him, we looked at his situation. Uh, he had an absolutely wonderful home and a wonderful owner, but that habit of chasing after the horses was not something that was going to he definitely won't last very long if he continued staying there. So we decide, give it a shot. Um, we take him home with us and see how that went. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot more to that. But essentially, we got him because he would not stop chasing horses. He put his life in danger, and Adam fell for a pair of really adorable eyes. <laughs> so did Abram Patches get along in the beginning? Yes and no. Um, when we got him... We were told that he was very cat-friendly because he got along with the barn cats. Now, if you've ever met a barn cat, you know that they're pretty confident, they're pretty sassy, and they will not take any garbage whatsoever. Um, Ava isn't like that. Uh, unlike my first cat, she is not street smart. She is very much a city cat. And her confidence was very low around him specifically. She's confident around other dogs. But he was very energetic. He was interested, but one of the reasons why he was rehomed was because he's a cow dog. He has a focus, but he ends up hyper-focusing. And very little will distract him once he zones in and just locks in. So for, for having a dog, which is a working dog, um, he has a lot of energy. And having a dog that also has a high prey drive, and that's one thing that cattle dogs are well known for it was something that we were very aware of when we got them and Ava could definitely sense when he locked in on her so to keep things safe and to keep her okay um, we actually kept them separate for quite some time and everything was supervised so he wanted to smell her but he was very rude about it and so 
She doesn't appreciate it. But instead of actually having a conference to stand up to him and say, excuse me, that is not okay. Uh, she would have this thing of she'd run away from it, which was interesting because she would not do that to any other dog that she met on the trail. And so initially, yes, he was very friendly towards her. But for Ava, when she felt that she was being, he was too interested in her, she would turn around and just leave. So how did you, man- because they get along pretty well now, how did you manage to develop or foster that relationship? So a couple of different things. Um, when we got Patches, we knew that his previous owner had done an excellent job. She was absolutely wonderful with him. Um, so he had some of the basics done, but he was also an adult dog. And I think that's the difficulty is most people who have cats and dogs, they get them when one or the other is younger. So it's easier to condition to train. He was an adult dog. And so we told ourselves we're committing one full year to training for him. Basic obedience, um, teaching him rules, boundaries of our life, what our limitations are, and also what we expect from him. So one of the biggest things that we did was the first couple of weeks, we still had him hang out with Ava, but we did a couple of things. The first thing being, he would always be tired. Um, We would walk him, run him, hike him first thing in the morning. We would focus on exercise, training, and then whenever we'd leave for work, he'd be immediately crated. So Ava would have free run of the house. She slowly built up her confidence that way so that he couldn't do anything. And she knew that that was where he stayed in his crate. And she slowly gained that confidence walking around the house and realizing, oh, I can be around him and nothing's going to happen. And when they would actually be out and about together, We actually didn't let them interact for several weeks. And when we did, it was dogs bond very well whenever they walk together. And so we actually started taking them out for walks together where Ava was already used to being in a backpack. So we'd have her in the backpack and I would take Patches for a walk. And slowly, after a couple of weeks, I started taking Ava out of the backpack and just walking. She would walk on my right-hand side. He'd walk on my left-hand side. And Part of our basic obedience was teaching Patches how to heal. So he would walk right next to me. And we try and do, um, I do hands-free walking. So I clip his, his leash to my side. And so that way, if I need to hold on or pick up Ava, my hands are free, but he's still connected to me. So when it came to doing that, she actually started to get a lot more relaxed around him because they would walk together and when they came home she's already starting to view him as oh you're now part of this activity that I'm used to and he started viewing her as oh you're part of my pack so when he starts viewing her as part of his pack you could almost immediately see that his attitude towards her shifted from oh let me focus on you because you're interesting and potentially prey and that was something that we absolutely wanted to avoid to oh, okay, yeah, you're my buddy. Awesome. You know, we would see him relax, like not focus as much. And in between those walks, we would also focus on that obedience training, which is what got him to trouble before was hyper-focusing. So we had to teach him how to break that focus, refocus on us, especially if we were telling him, 
focus on the cat gets to do whatever she wants to but you need to focus on me because part of it is for Ava's safety part of it is for his safety too so it's a, it's actually really incredible the amount of training that you did with Patch and Ava um, especially like like you said they're older like they're not kittens or puppies um, one thing I did want to mention is that a lot of members in our community are looking at adopting dogs and one thing that you mentioned was the crate training and um, the more reading I do on it I realize how important crate training is so if you're thinking if anyone's thinking of adopting a dog I think that's something that um, you should really look into and I've also read some information that it's actually quite useful for cats as well so um, in hindsight I think if I had known that when we adopted Lumos and Noxie I would have we would have done a bit more crate training as well because it helps calm them down. Yeah, I definitely think so. And for us, when we when we had patches, especially introducing him to environment where Ava we, was always used to being the queen of the area. So she's used to navigating the entire house. So having a place where patches called his own, that is his bed, his area, his safe space. And Ava also knows that when he's there, he couldn't just come out and she could actually gain that confidence. And she's actually also crate trained. Uh, we crate trained her for our road trips because whenever we go to uh, hotels or Airbnbs, we actually are able to leave them both um, in the hotel, in the house. And that way they don't ever mess up anyone's furniture and they don't destroy anything. But we also know that they're safe at the same time. So I want to touch on cat exploring now. Because you mentioned that you go on walks with Ava as well as Patch. Can you talk us a little bit more about what kind of cat exploring you do with Ava first? Yeah, absolutely. So with Ava, we actually started off with uh, simply just taking her for car rides. And I kind of want to take her everywhere with me. Uh, she was so cute and adorable. I I was just like, I must have her with me. Um, so we started with that. And we actually didn't intend for her to be walking with us initially. I just wanted to make certain that she could be harnessed and could sit on my shoulders because I was very jealous of the fact that my husband has wide enough shoulders that she could just stand on his shoulders and look at the world. And she just seemed so interested in what was going on. So I actually found out that I could actually wear a backpack and she could sit on my shoulders. So the jealousy issue was resolved. Um, so the other things that we do with her is we slowly started taking her for walks and she is such a queen because for the longest time she refused to step a paw onto grass. Uh, she absolutely hated nature. And if we opened the door and wind would rush in, she couldn't deal with it. She would turn to us and almost huff and just stalk away from the door. So we started walking with her on the sidewalks, especially at night because I wanted to go out for a walk and I wanted her company and she did so well that I started taking her out for more walks and eventually we started branching out to hiking and she did so well in the car that whenever we would do a road trip, we would take her with us. And she thinks that the car is her favorite nap spot. So if we put her in the car, she'll go into the back seat, curl up. And then next thing you know, two hours later, you look behind and there she is on her back, all her paws are in the air, and she's just conked out for like the next 10 hours. Other things that we do with her are we go hiking, we've gone camping with her. Um, once a year, we try and make a point to go uh, to Colorado, and 
We go to places near the Rocky Mountains, but because they're not really a pet-friendly national park, we actually go to state parks outside and around it. And we've taken her tent camping. Um, we've also taken her, let's see, she's gone tent camping. We've taken her biking at some points. But the biggest thing is that she's a road trip cat. She is a dedicated road trip cat because she loves a car. And if she's in someplace new, she really enjoys just spending time exploring a place with you. So we're currently recording this in July 2020. So in June this year, we, like so many other people around the world, were um, starting to do a lot more to educate ourselves about the Black Lives Matter movement. And while doing so, I realized we, as in Cat Explorer, could do more to tell the stories of Black, Indigenous and people of colour. And one of the biggest things I realized was that it was important to state that as a commitment as well. And by doing so, we were able to connect to people who see themselves as um, in one of those categories, so Black, Indigenous or people of colour. And you were one of those people, Joanne. And as a background, both Daniel and I are people of colour, but different types of colour. Well, that has meant different experiences for some aspects of our life. When it comes to cat exploring, I don't think our experiences have been different or I haven't noticed. But Joanne, you mentioned that you found that this isn't the case for you and your husband. Do you mind sharing those experiences with us? Oh, absolutely. So for starters, I'm, I guess, what could be considered in the outdoor community as an unlikely hiker, which means that not only am I a person of color, I'm female, I'm brown, I'm plus-sized, I'm bisexual, so I'm part of the LGBTQ community. And on top of that, the most normal thing is that I walk my cat. Um, I also happen to be mixed, which means that I am half Indian and half Malaysian. And I happen to also now be American. So there's juggling three different cultures at the same time. And I've noticed ever since, ever since I got married to my husband, we've known each other all the way through college, but we only started really noticing the differences once he and I graduated, got married, and were in the workforce. And while I'm very, very glad that my work, my work, my office is very diverse, very open, very accepting, um, it's something that, especially for my husband, he is Caucasian. He's a tall ginger male, and for him, he started realizing shortly after we got married the differences in his and my experience whenever we go outside. And when it comes to exploring with our cat, we have seen very different reactions. And one of the biggest reaction differences is that when we are going out with Ava, or if he's going out with Ava himself, he's met with a lot more positive engagement. So people will come up to him, they'll smile at him, they'll, you know, they'll talk to him, they, they offer encouragement, um, it's more positive. And whenever I go out, especially if I go out by myself with Ava, with Patches, you know, we have trained Patches to the point, one of the things that we want to do with him is he stays with us, he sticks with us because if Ava gets scared or it's in a new situation, we need to be able to handle her and not have to worry about also working with Patches at the same time. So we've got to a point where we can rely on Patches to be balanced and right next to us. And Ava, you know, just hangs out on our shoulders. So when people walk by and they see this, 
there are more people who approach me and ask, hey, do you need any help? Or, hey, can you actually handle that? And one of the things that we know is we, we go for walks pretty frequently near a road. And there are people who are driving by. And whenever they see my husband with Ava wrapped around his shoulders, you know, we see a lot of smiles and shock and surprise. And people will wave at him. Um, I think we actually heard one person almost got into an accident at the intersection because we heard their brakes screech and we turned around and they were halfway through the intersection. So a little surprising there. But this, the other part is that if I go that same route, I get scowls. I get people with very angry faces. And a lot of them happen to be women. And I get stared down quite often. I get angry looks and glares. And people who are on the sidewalk, most people, if they're walking an animal, it's positive engagement. So most of my engagement has been positive, but more people are comfortable saying to me, oh, how could you do that to your cat? That's so terrible. And they'll turn to Ava and they'll address the cat and say, oh, I'm so sorry she puts a jacket on you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you must be just wanting to go back home. How could she do this to you? And the thing is that people don't say that to my husband at all. And I'm not certain if it's because they look at his face and they realize I'm not going to say that. He looks intimidating. And they see me and they're like, oh, no, no, we can say it to her. We're comfortable saying it to her because nothing's going to happen. And it's nothing. Thankfully, I haven't been harassed when I'm outside. But in a lot of my conversations with people outside of taking Ava out for exploring, there are more people who indirectly tell me to either go back to my own country or I'm the wrong color or, you know, just all these different things that different experiences, because my husband and I can walk into an electronic store separately and he'll be immediately greeted and asked, how can we help you? And I will walk into the same exact store the next day and not only be ignored, but there will be individuals who, as they're walking by me, employees walking by me, they will attempt to ignore me and just focus on something else. And so it is, it's interesting because when I'm with my family, I don't normally notice this, but when I'm with him, the differences are very apparent, at least to us. And he's gotten very concerned because more people are willing to approach me and say things to me um, than they are to him. So he's become very protective of me for many reasons, but that is one of them. I have to admit, I don't know what to say because it's it's so disappointing as well, you know, Um but it's it's reality though as well. It's something that um I think a lot of people of color um deal with. But I do have to say it's really nice that your husband's picked up on that as well. Like um because I, I think sometimes the people around us don't really notice those slight difference. I don't I don't know whether slight is the right word there, but um how do you normally react to those situations while you are cat exploring where people do say those kind of things to you? Um, so as far as that goes, it's <laughs> there are a couple of different responses that I want to 
say, and it's difficult because my mama taught me to kill them with kindness. <laughs> and so the first thing is I, I realized for years, and part of being a person of color is that you realize that you don't really take what people say at I don't know, like you learn to not be sensitive to it. So I actually realized I was I was telling the story of what happened to a coworker of mine at one point. And I remember she turned to me in shock and she's like, don't you realize that's so rude? And I was like, wait, that was rude. I thought that was normal. Um, but yeah, so different ways that I've reacted is thankfully I've been raised to be extremely slow to getting angry, which I think has saved me in many different occasions. But one of the biggest things is kill them with kindness and always, always be in control of yourself because I don't take it personally what they're doing. I can be devastatingly polite to them. Um, but on the downside, I also don't want to show any fear because if I show fear that is seen as a weakness I never ever want to give someone that power um, it can be very exhausting because I'm already on a relatively high alert whenever I take patch and Ava out by myself and I'm not certain how someone's going to react to me um, taking patch in working on training him one of the biggest things that I learned or had to relearn because I've always been interested in dog training and it was kind of a hobby. And the last time I trained a dog though was 10 years ago. So training patch again was kind of a learning curve. And one of the things that I had to remember was when you work with dogs, you cannot lie to them. Um, you must always be to be a good leader. You have to be calm and balanced yourself. And you also have to be assertive and you can be assertive while being kind and courteous. And in situations like that, when people say this to me, the biggest thing that I've had to do, and it can sometimes be difficult, is just hold my ground, be assertive. And I remind myself, I used to work with livestock. So I used to work with cows, dairy cows and horses. And I used to work with animals that were 1,200, 1,300, 1,400 pounds. They'd be running full speed at me, and I cannot flinch. And if I can tell, if I can tell a charging cow which place, which direction they're supposed to go, then I can face down someone who is angry. And being calm, being assertive, remembering that I am in control of my actions. That person who is telling me these things, they are responsible for their actions. I'm not responsible for that. I can control what I say and how I act. I can be polite. I can be proud of myself after confrontation because I can hold my head up high and say, I was kind. I was courteous. At the end of the day, what you say is a reflection of yourself. You put that so well, actually, I think. It's so easy to, and I've been in those situations where someone said something to me and um, you, you can feel like your heart rate starts elevating. You start, like all those anger um, reactions start happening, but you're right. If we can 
be kind and understand that they said it, but it's something that's related to them rather than to us. I think that's something really important. I have to commend you. And I think you're doing so well given, you know, the circumstances and like to have a cat and a dog and you go cat exploring as a female and as a person of color and like, and to get those sort of reactions is, is tough. It's, it's tough. And I think from our point of view, like I'm very grateful that we haven't had those type of experience, too many of those type of experiences, but you know, you do get them. And a couple of points I'd probably make is that I find that people have a blind spot of sorts, having not been in those situations or can't imagine themselves in those situations and sort of, and those blind spots somewhat cause either cause those comments to come out or, or for people to not just understand how hurtful those comments could be or where they could lead or what impact they could have. Because yeah, I, I find with some people who haven't had those experiences, they're dismissive of it or they don't necessarily understand how that could be an issue because it's a blind spot for them. They don't have that experience. They don't have that background to relate to it. And so education is a big part of it. To, I think what you're doing is great to try and get people to, you know, see the positives. Um, just, you know, spin the whole thing around and rather than trying to send into this argument that gets nowhere and, you know, probably does more damage than benefit, education, kindness, just be good humans, basically, because cat exploring has no boundaries. It doesn't matter whether what color you are or what culture you're from. I mean, cats are all over the world. Cats don't really, you know, mind who you are. You're a human, you're a person, and they'll choose you. So I think those are sort of things that we need to remember as we go through cat exploring and then teach others because it does add, we're adding a couple of different sort of, I guess, um, things into the mix here. The cat exploring is relatively new, so that doesn't help the situation, but then being of those sort of back, of the those backgrounds, which people don't normally, uh, I'd say, understand or uh, sort of... Un- relate? Yeah, they, yeah, relate, I'd say. Like, it's it's not from their world, so they, they struggle with it. And that's where I think some of these comments come from or some of these mm-hmm. uh, lack of understanding comes from. And I definitely agree with that because, you know, a, a good example of that is my husband's family is what I would have thought of as stereotypical American family. You know, the grilling, the barbecue, the this is very American. And for me, I come here as an immigrant. Um, I came here as when I was a child. So it was easier for me to adapt. It was a lot more difficult for my parents to adapt. But one of the things I realized is my parents' experiences, because they're already from two different countries, two different cultures, they already were trying to find the common ground between them. And coming here to another country and having to adapt and to learn where this already, English isn't their first language. And their experiences, we actually lived in the South for a very long time. I didn't realize or understand the experience that my parents had, I still don't understand them fully, but I personally am having my own experiences as a female, as a woman of color in this country, especially at this time. And 
there's a contrast between my husband's family and my family because there's this idea of my family and I have had our experiences. And like you said, not everyone can relate to them because they're not used to calling another country home, having a different culture, having different um, just life for them is very different. And one of the things that we experienced is a downplaying of our experiences. And the term for that, you know, I learned is gaslighting, where someone else minimizes my experience and says that they're not valid. And I I had an experience where I was in a car and I couldn't leave. And this person asked me if I had become a citizen yet. And at the time, I wasn't an American citizen. And this person took the next three hours knowing I could not leave that vehicle and just was so angry about degraded my culture, my family in the different countries, my own country, the practices. And at the end, you know, hearing that, and I, I wasn't very outspoken at the time and I wanted to keep the peace and I didn't want to say anything that caused any waves. The difficulty of that is because that person could not relate to my experiences they wanted to invalidate my experiences. And I realized, and this is what I want to share with anyone who is black, indigenous, a person of color, is that your experiences are valid just because someone doesn't understand it doesn't mean that they're not valid. And someone gaslighting my experiences just means that they are not willing to make themselves uncomfortable to just even listen. They don't have to understand. They don't have to relate. But if they can just listen, and the fact that that is uncomfortable for someone, it tells me a lot about them and not me. That is so well said. And um, I don't know whether grateful is the right word, but um, personally having these conversations come out in the last couple of months has meant a lot to me because um, there's been, I've had quite a few similar experiences where Mm. gaslighting has occurred and then I've spent some time thinking, was that a genuine reaction of mine? Did I overreact? But um, the last few months with all these conversations happening in the media, happening on social media, happening with our friends and family, it's given me the language to use when I'm trying to explain myself as well. And it's also, I think a lot of people have realized that um, how important it is to educate themselves. Like I think even for Daniel and I, we are people of color, but there are so many things about black and and indigenous people that we didn't understand or we didn't learn about that we realized that we need to learn about or even just learn about the experiences of other people of color who are from other races or in other countries as well. And, um, I know I hate saying that I'm grateful because of how we got here, but I am grateful that these conversations are happening out in the open as well. I I definitely understand and I, I, I absolutely agree because the reason for why we're having these conversations is absolutely terrible. But the fact that I'm actually, like you said, learning those terms as definitions, you know, I'm not white. I'm not black. I am 
right in the middle of that, where because I'm also part Indian, I have similarities historically to the slaves, those who were enslaved and human trafficking, the human trafficking that occurred in this country just over a hundred years ago. There are similarities. So I realize I can empathize, but it doesn't mean that I completely understand that experience. But learning how to, learning, teaching myself that I need to stop and open myself up to hearing other experiences because I have my own narrative, but other people have their narratives too. And I realized one of the reasons why just on our profile, we say this is a safe space. It's one of the reasons why we have it there because opening up that safe space means that I want to listen and hear other people's narratives as well, because I can learn from that. There are similarities enough that I can empathize and that's a good starting point. Um, but especially if you're a person of color as an immigrant here in this country, like say for example, me, I'm dealing with generational trauma. And I just recently learned that word where I'm trying to work through two different cultures and that's just my own personal cultures and having to learn because there are many toxic behaviors in, in those cultures and having to learn that. And on top of that, what's going on currently it is exhausting and is difficult. And if it's exhausting, and difficult for me, I can't imagine what it's like for someone else, especially if they happen to be black. Like I have some friends of mine that they're black and their experiences are, if I thought that mine were uncomfortable and they tell that to me and I'm sitting here, I'm like, I can't begin to wrap my mind around that. I just don't know where to go. Like, I just don't know what to say from this. Like, it's we're so we've got so much more to learn, and there's so much more to educate everyone. Like, on it's so many more stories to tell, and I just hope and wish for it to continue because we can all get better at this. There's a lot more for us to go on this journey. And. And I think something that I'm learning is that we're all something that I'm learning is that we're all learning. <laughs> that wasn't the greatest choice of words, but but it's true in that I look back at things that I've said even personally, and then also um, even as cat explorers. Well, there's some phrases or terms or hashtags that we've used that we're now really thinking and doing a lot more research into whether we should be using that kind of terminology because we didn't realize the impact that could have on certain people. So um, I think it's important to just continue to educate ourselves, but then also not to hate ourselves if we realize in the past that we did something that could have potentially been, I apologize, I can't think of the right word at the moment, but it's, I'm just trying to say, try not to hate yourself as well. The main thing is that we're all open to learning and changing how we deal with those situations now and really questioning our bias as well. Oh. I don't know whether that made any sense. <laughs> um, that definitely made sense to me because that's actually, you asked me at one point um, that, that statement that I that I used to put, which was break your normal. And one of the things I've learned, um, my family has moved a lot. And 
whenever someone asks me, where are you from? I go with the last city or the last state that I used to live in because it's just complicated. And one of the things about that is breaking your normal means it's going to be uncomfortable. And your normal doesn't mean that that was always right. But if you're willing to open yourself up and you and you're willing to learn and you can call your old self out on what you have said or done previously that's okay that's part of the learning process um i realize that the hardest part i i know people who it is very difficult everything to them is it has to be absolute and they cannot be wrong and i realized for myself um i I have difficulty with that and I, I cannot really get along with that because with that person, because that idea of never, ever wanting to learn, it just means that you'll stay there forever. And if there's a chance that even if it's uncomfortable having to face maybe what I have said in the past or the terms that I have used in the past, educating myself, it's a growing experience. You know, we're going to continue to get older and we can either stay the same or we can continue to grow and face the fact that when we're younger, we didn't know everything and we're never going to know everything. Joanne, I want to bring the context of redefining or reshaping normal in terms of cat exploring, which is something we touched on throughout our conversation. A lot of people avoid going cat exploring because it doesn't seem normal. Like you get the stares, you get the comments, you get those experiences that you may get these experiences you talked about. Did you have feelings at first about how this doesn't feel normal? Like, how did you overcome them if you did? Um, and Hassar, maybe you might you might uh, know this term, but logia um, kahenge. No, what, what I don't know. Say? I don't know it. Okay, <laughs> so that's actually a term that I grew up hearing the English version of that. Logia um, kahenge means "What will others think?" And um, Daniel. Absolutely. Uh, I definitely had moments when I started doing this where I felt extremely self-conscious um, because here I was the crazy cat lady with a cat on her back. And especially when I actually put a backpack on Ava. So I definitely felt extremely self-conscious at that point. And um, there were probably times when I questioned, but I'm also bullheaded enough. That I'm like, you know what? Ava enjoys it. I enjoy it we're going to keep doing this. And growing up with hearing that, that question, what will others think? I think also kind of made me immune to it to a certain extent, because that realization of (laughs) having to tell my mother over and over again, what someone else thinks doesn't really matter because to the people who are important to me, your opinion, that's what really matters. Um, Because, what others think about me exploring with my cat, they're a blip on my radar. You know, is what I'm doing more important than what someone else is saying? And I think I've, I'm a little bit of, <laughs> I don't really respond to authority or someone else's opinions very well, I think. At least that's what my English teacher once said. Um, but especially if it's coming across as, judgmental, especially if someone has opinions on, oh, how cruel, you're putting a sweater on your cat. You're a blip on my radar. What impact do you have on my life? 
Um, I think being aware of that, being aware of whose opinions and whose values, who do I actually value? And so when they tell me something, I hold that as greater value than what some stranger says to me. And it can be difficult, especially if you are struggling with mental health, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, because you not only feel self-conscious, but you're kind of already shrinking into yourself and you're like, um, I feel really, really exposed. Uh, but always asking myself of why do I care what they think? If I know that this is good for my cat, if she is enjoying it, if I'm enjoying this and I can help her be happy, then what someone else thinks, that's on them. And they have their perspective, they have their their worldview, but this is also mine. And that's also one of the struggles that I have as a person of color is holding my ground and I can't tell you how many times that people have wanted to, how many times that I've been told or in action shown that I shouldn't have my opinion. And so one of the hardest things for me as a woman and also as a person of color is standing my ground saying, I understand where you're coming from, but this is what I'm going to do. I have to commend you on that. That's, um, it's quite a journey to get to that because um. People might have heard me have a bit of a giggle when you said, what will others think? Because as a person of Sri Lankan background, that is something that has been said to me by our family and extended family <laughs> my whole life. Um, but you're right. Like we, I think it's a cultural thing. I'm Well, it might not be a cultural thing. I'm sure a lot of other people get it as well. But um, you're right. Like it doesn't really matter what people think. As long as you're happy, as long as your cat's happy, as long as the people who are important to you, like your partner or your family or your closest friends, those are the ones that matter rather than the general community. But as when you're in those moments where you have those stares, it can be quite (laughs) hard to forget that it's not important that these people are staring at you. Um, And I think also sometimes... I've had this experience where I've had someone come up to me and I thought they were going to attack me verbally for having the cats out. And in the end, it actually turned out that they had tried it too. And they were staring at me with such intensity because they were trying to figure out what did, what are we doing differently that they weren't doing? Why do our cats enjoy it while their cat wasn't? And it was only when I was, I tried your, I was doing your approach of killing them with kindness. And I was saying, um, oh, this is how we train them and stuff. And then it started this whole conversation. And I realized that she she had come to me with such intensity because she wanted to learn. <laughs> but it had come across as I just completely misconstrued it. And I think we're all in our own little worlds as well. And sometimes people might come across as the wrong way or it might just be our bias because we expect people to attack us while we're cat exploring. So that's what I was expecting from that interaction. But um I think it's just being a bit open to other perspectives as well. It's definitely an exercise in self-control because like you said, is people come to you, they want to engage with you and sometimes they can be extremely intense about it. And like I said, like that's one of the things that's slightly exhausting because I feel like, especially for me, if I go out, there's 
an automatic invisible wall because I realized I carry myself differently. I am a lot more guarded and I, I'm not certain if my interaction is going to be positive, negative. And I have to remind myself, most people that I'm going to meet are absolutely lovely. Most people I'm going to meet aren't going out of their way to attack me. The people who are coming towards me with any sort of negative intent, they're few and far in between. But what's difficult is not knowing when to let that barrier down. And I always hope that the interaction is going to be positive because I would absolutely love to tell them everything about Ava to the point they're probably just like, okay, I just want to ask about the monkey on her shoulder. And I just got an hour long talk about this person and they're showing me their cat's entire life story. I'm like, oh yeah, let me back up for a second there. I think with this, like, it's currently not normal in society, but we hope one day that it is. And with people and the way we go out in the world at the moment, most of us are probably to an extent guarded and we know we'll ex- and expect a certain level of um, stares and comments. But like you said, people around the world are generally pretty, pretty good people. And when you meet another cat person, it's the most fun conversation to have. Like they just start relating. They go, oh, I had a cat at home. You know, this cat, my cat does this, that. And they may say, oh, my cat could never do that. But at the same time, they go, oh, you know, they love seeing your cat out and about. They love seeing that your cat is having so much fun. And that's the bottom line, that the cat loves it, that you enjoy it. And, you know, that's what works for you. There's a lot of things that, you know, as we go through this, you know, I suppose history defining moment in in life like things will get redefined there's a lot of conversations happening and this is just one of them like so I will hope and expect to say that this is the new normal one day and that yeah this necessarily yeah this necessarily won't be like this forever but it yeah we can totally and definitely relate to those sort of experiences that you've had where you do feel self-conscious and it, dep- it does come down to who you are as a person as well and what your background upbringing is and how you see the world. Some people don't give, you know, uh, another care in the world that they've got a cat with them. They'll walk out there and yeah, that's it. They're, yeah, they're confident in the world and their position in the world and others will be a bit more self-conscious and be more aware and be more cautious at the end of the day. We want to encourage people to do this if they feel safe, if they, you know, to, to feel safe and to feel like this is acceptable and that, you know, the, the, the cat's having a great time, you're having a great time, and that's all that really matters. Right. And I think one of the things that I think I also brought that up a little bit before too, but, you know, that idea of a safe place or, or of feeling safe is one of the reasons why for us, we keep saying our place, our home, we say this is a safe, safe place for anyone here who comes here, um, religion, background, whatever it is, it's a safe place. And we, we believe that we can also create that for ourselves. So one of the things whenever I go out is I know a little bit, a little bit about what visual that I'm projecting 
I'm female, I'm short, I'm brown, I'm walking with a cat. And one of the things that has made me so happy is most of the time, whenever we look at anyone who's going outdoors, there's a certain stereotype that you have to be, you know, very fit. You have to wear this kind of clothing, this kind of outfit, things like that. If you go exploring with your animals, they should be, you know, this kind of animal, specifically a dog. Um, but one of the things I really love about putting myself out there as well is that there are other people who might look like me, who might be similar to me and they see me and they're like, Oh yeah, I can do that too. Or let me try that. And the fact that someone else can see me and say, I want to try that. That makes me so incredibly happy because it means that I'm sharing the message of I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to put myself into an uncomfortable situation sometimes, but if it means that other cats are getting enrichment and happiness, or at least someone's willing to take that chance and try it, um, they're at least hopefully seeing someone who is willing to be a role model. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. I think what comes to mind there is why not? What, uh, what, what's the barrier? What's stopping us? Why not? Just go for it. Do it. So, Joanne, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast, and before we let you go, we're going to ask you our final four questions that we ask all our guests. The first one being, what is one piece of advice you'd give to new cat explorers? Um, I think that the advice I would give is actually related to what you just said, which is don't be afraid to try something different. Um, there's a stereotype of cats. Uh, it's a kind of a mixed stereotype because people – look at cats and they think, oh, they're independent, they're aloof, oh, and they're always outdoors. And then there's also the stereotype of when you adopt a cat, they're just supposed to sit inside. And cats are incredibly smart. They're incredibly resilient. They've been around for thousands of years. And their basic body shape hasn't changed. I mean, be willing to try something different because chances are that your cat is willing to do something different. And there's no set time limit as to when you have to have a cat explorer, you can take it slow. Or if your cat wants to take it faster, your cat can take it faster. You know, like for Patch and Ava, we don't have a time limit on their relationship. So when we adopted Patch, we said, we're going to give you one full year of training, or we're going to focus on basic obedience because we want you to be a model citizen if we can, because you're going to be an awesome partner to Ava. And we're almost a year and a half into having Patch, and the two of them find so much of support whenever they see the other, especially when we're out hiking and on the trails. So don't be afraid to do something different. Um, we had so many people tell us, especially about Patch, because he's a cattle dog, oh, yeah, they're cat killers. Yes and no. Um, dogs are going to be instinctual. Some have a higher prey drive than others, but it is also what work are you willing to put into it? And are you willing to try something different with them both? Agree with so many things you've just said. Um, what's been the most entertaining comment someone has said to you while you've been out and about with Ava? <laughs> uh, because she's she's torthy, but we call her Muddy Brown, um, and she's got this gorgeous, lovely tail. Um, my favorite one has been, oh, "Is that a monkey?" 
And then she turns around, looks at them with these big owl eyes, and she's like, excuse me, what did you just call me? Tori or Calico? (laughs) (laughs) So which cat explorers inspire you? I so there are quite a few and one of my favorites happens to be uh Lola Lola the Beagle and Shadow the Cat and they're also another uh cat dog duo and they recently moved to Germany and they're just so sassy and I really love how it was actually the dog who found the cat and their adventures together whenever I look at Patchneva I'm like all right hopefully you'll have half as exciting an adventure as they do um other ones are roxy the kitty and they actually inspired us to get the backpack that we did as well as try the pet food and i just really love the fact that roxy just always seems to have this attitude (laughs) final question what product service or program has been a game changer for ava so I think that there are at least three of them. And the first one was, so cat backpacks, we actually started out adventuring. Um, we always go hiking with hiking backpacks. So when we got Ava, we would put her on top of the hiking backpack, but she never sat inside of it. So the first two years of her life, she was actually sitting on top of backpacks. Um, we did try like a spaceship backpack at one point, but it wasn't snug enough, so I think she just never felt secure enough. But she ended up completely falling in love with it's the cargo, I believe it's called the G Train. And that has to be one of the nicest backpacks for me because it feels like a hiking backpack. And Ava loves it. She loves that she can jump into into the backpack. She can hang on her shoulders and it's just it's been so helpful to have multiple pockets in it and still feel cinched up to her back. So less back pain. And I think Ava just loves the fact that there's a handle so she can be carried around like a queen if she so requests. Um, Another thing that has been a game changer for us is I used to work at a veterinary hospital and the one I worked at was not a specifically cat friendly hospital. And I've been noticing a change, at least here in the United States, uh, there's a push towards veterinary hospitals um, undergoing a cat-friendly certification for their veterinarians, which has been incredible because of the fact that Ava is no longer being pushed. She had a bad experience of boarding one time. So anytime I took her to a veterinary hospital afterwards, she would go off like a rocket or she was just ready to end, end it all and light the world on fire, essentially. So the fact that there are more hospitals that are training their veterinarians in certain methods and their staff to actually be more cat-friendly so that they're not pushing a cat past its limits, it has de-escalated her issues at the veterinarian. She still has issues um, when she goes to a veterinarian because it's obviously a strange place. She has all these strange smells and she's on her guard. But the fact that more veterinary hospitals are starting to learn how to work with cats specifically um, has made her experience so much better. 
especially around um, concepts like fear-free and things like that, it's actually been like those things are slowly coming into Australia as well. But as a part of the podcast, we've been learning a lot about those things too. And it's absolutely incredible. So Joanne, thank you so much for sharing about all your experiences today and for being so honest and so open as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you, Ava and Patch online? So Ava and Patches can be found at at Patch Up with Ava on Instagram. And um, right now that's the only place that they're at. But, you know, also thank you so much for having me here because I think these are conversations that I'm really glad that everyone's starting to at least consider and starting to have. And it's been absolutely wonderful talking with you both today. Uh, thank you. It was a very enlightening conversation. And I think, like you said, one that needed to be had and so grateful that we could have that with you. Now, if so that everyone can find the links to your socials, we'll put them in the show notes. Just go to the episode description on your podcast app and the link will be there. We would love to hear what you think of today's episode. We really appreciate Joanne for being so vulnerable and sharing about experiences that are challenging to live through and revisit. So we would love it if you could show her that you've been listening along. Take a screenshot of your phone, upload it to social media, tag us at catexplorer.community and Joanne at patch.upwith.ava and let us know what you think. Cat Explorer is a small one and a half or quarter people team. We're not a big organization. We don't, we don't get paid for what we do. If you love what we do, we would love it if you could support us. Either share about the Cat Explorer podcast, leave us a review, tell a friend, and if you're able to, join the Cat Explorer purse squad. All the details are in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening today. That's it for today. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime, enjoy giving your kitty the world. <laughs>